Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. So before we welcome up this next speaker, like I said, she's been here since day one. Her and her husband, um, they've pretty much done every job and done every position you can do. I mean, they've been over to youth, they've been over to kids, they've helped in the cafe, they've helped in media. Um, basically, anything that God's wanted them to do, they stepped up and done it, right? No complaints, um, no hindrance. They say, hey, God, use me. I'm telling you, her and her husband are the perfect embodiment of living a generous lifestyle. So I can't think of anybody else better to speak about giving um, than put your hands together for Miss Denise Piper. Come on, let's give her a hand clap as she makes her way up here. And there is one thing that we've never done. John and I are not musically talented. Haley has never let us do anything with the music. So. <laughs> we are laughing in one place. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about a lifestyle of generosity. John and I have lived a lifestyle of generosity since February of 1982. This lifestyle has shaped our lives, our finances, and our walk with God. The first thing we began to do when we started going to church <clears throat> was to tithe. And tithe just means 10%. We have given at least 10% of all of our income to our local church family for 37 years. And tithing brings blessing into our lives. So the first scripture I'm going to give you is Valachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So Robert Morris wrote a book called The Blessed Life. And in that book he speaks about tithing. And he says, and this is a quote from him, In 35 years of ministry, every tither I have spoken with has given me a similar testimony. Every non-tither has also given me a similar testimony. The non-tither's testimony is very different from those who tithe. Without exception, so every single one, tithers say, I'm blessed or God has blessed me. They all give the testimony that God's blessing them. Every single one, 35 years of ministry. In contrast, every, and I'm going to say every again, every non-tither that I have ever spoken to, which is Robert Morris, gives this testimony. I can't afford to tithe. So which do you want to be? Do you want to be blessed by God or not able to tithe? To me, it's very simple. We have 37 years. It it works. So now let's talk about generosity as a lifestyle. If you are a conduit for God, which a conduit is like a metal pipe, okay? It doesn't have any hindrance in it. So if you're a conduit for God... This metal pipe comes, God blesses you, and it doesn't stop with you. It goes out to somebody else. So you use the blessing that God gives you to bless someone else. When you consistently do this, God will bless you with more and more so that God's people can be blessed. We're not supposed to hold it in. We hold part of it in because that's what we need, but then we bless others. When you pray and ask God to show you the needs around you, He is faithful to direct you to see 
the needs and then meet the needs of others. Proverbs 11:24. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And then the next verse, Proverbs 11:25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. <coughs> so my husband is a, a great big jokester. I don't know how many of y'all know him, but um, we did a business trip to, to Georgia several years ago. And on the way there, well, actually, before we left, we had a blessing amount that we had kept out to bless whoever we met on the trip, anybody that, that we felt like needed a blessing. So we had gone all the way there. Every meal, I think, on the way there, we ate at Cracker Barrel. And on, when we got to Georgia, there was no Cracker Barrel in that town. And we decided we weren't doing Cracker Barrel again on the way home. We had enough. So, um, and John's dad was a truck driver. And when you traveled, you were traveling. You didn't stop on the side of the road. You can ask Rebecca. You went, okay? Purpose, go, let's go. So we were coming back from um, Georgia. We were in Florida. And it was like 5 o'clock. And John goes, I'm ready to stop. And I said, well, you're the driver. I don't drive at all, so you drive. And you can stop. So he pulled over. <clears throat> and 40 years of us being together, this has never happened. He pulls into this town. He drives around looking for a restaurant, looking for a motel. He pulls into this gas station, and he looks at me, and he goes, do you really want to stop? And I said, I, I don't care. So he said, let's go on. So we got back on the highway. Never happened before and never happened since either. So we started driving, and he drove three more hours. Okay, we were already in Louisiana by now. And he said, um, I'm ready to stop. I said, okay, baby, whatever. So we pull off this exit. <clears throat> he goes, okay, it was like lots of stuff. He said, where do you want to eat? It was 8 o'clock at night. And I said, oh, I don't care, whatever you want. He goes, hey, let's go to that Cracker Barrel. I said, you've got to be kidding. He goes, no, no, I want the, he said, I want to go there. So I said, okay. So we pull into this Cracker Barrel. It was 8 o'clock at night. They closed at 9, so they were real slow. Wasn't hardly anybody in there. We go and we sit down. Our little waitress comes out. Well, she was an older lady. She comes out and she, you know, took our drink order, walked off. And, and when she walked up to me, I knew why we were there. And when she walked off, John goes, hey, to you? And I said, I feel it, too. That's for that lady. We drove, we drove three more hours, and we're eating Cracker Barrel again for that woman. Okay? That's what we both felt. So, so, so she, well, listen to the rest of the story, though, y'all. You're, you're clapping prematurely. So she took care of us and everything, and then it was almost 9. They closed at 9. And when we got ready to leave, we couldn't find her. We don't just leave tips on the table. We hand it to people. And... Uh, so John went and found the manager and said, you know, we'd like to talk to our waitress. And so she come up and, yes, sir, you know, and he said, well, here, this, we want to bless you. Here you go. And he just handed her some bills, you know, folded up. And she goes, oh, thank you so much. And she went back in the back. So we're going up front to pay. <clears throat> and we hear this scream. And this lady comes tearing around the corner. And she grabs a hold of me and she hugs me and she grabs a hold of John and she hugs him. And she said, you don't understand. And then John goes, oh, we understand. <laughs> There's something going on. We understand. And she said, no, you don't understand. She said, this morning I prayed and I told God. I know it was a Monday or Tuesday. She said, I know it's a, you know, early in the week. I'm not going to be busy, but I need this amount of money to pay my electric bill. Or my electricity is going to be turned off in the morning. And she said, about an hour before you all came, I counted my money. And she said, I was way short. And I said, God, you told me this morning. So when we gave her that money, it was exactly what her electricity bill was. Plus she had extra from that day. <clears throat> and she said, and she, and she said, you know, I'm praying for God to bless y'all. She said, thank you so much. Okay. 
we need that in order. <laughs> um, so she thanked us. And that, I don't know if you all have ever done anything like that. That is the best feeling in the world. That's the most fun in living for God is to be able to bless someone and to know that they needed it. Even though you didn't know, they did. <clears throat> okay. So Galatians 6 and 7. So I like this timer up here better. It still says 9 minutes, 58 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I, I'm not looking at that one, Caleb. Okay, Galatians 6 and 7 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Okay? So if you give generously of your time, God will bless your time. If you give generously of your money, he will you will be blessed as your money multiplies. If you are generous with your talents, your talent will increase. If you generously praise God, his glory will be around you. So what you want is what you need to give away. <clears throat> Whatever you are generous with, that is what will be multiplied in your life. Okay, there's three levels of generosity. The first one is tithes. We've already talked about that. I'm not going to go there again. But you are the only person on earth who can decide what the right level of giving is for you. I can't step in and say, Allison, you need to do this. She can't come to me and say, I need to do that. You have to look, pray, and ask God to show you what your level of giving is should be. Okay, the second level of generosity is offerings. Psalms 54, verse 6. <clears throat> I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 4, the end of the verse, it says, the angel's talking to Cornelius, and the angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. God will speak to you and direct where he wants you to send his blessings. So I have one more story, and then I still have a third part, so I don't know, I only have a minute. <clears throat> so John and I had this game that we play, and it's called hunting. And it's not with guns, so he, he loves to hunt with guns, but it's, it's hunting. So we go to Walmart or HEB, wherever we decide to hunt, and we buy gift cards, different, different amounts. And we go with our cart like we're shopping, and we're listening for God's voice, listening for people talking. Because, you know, people talk in the store, and they may say, you know, oh, I really would like to have that, but I can't afford it, whatever. And we listen, and then we give out gift cards as we, God directs us or we hear something or whatever, we feel it. So we were at H-E-B uh, one time, and uh, we had given out all the gift cards. We had one left. And John goes, I'm tired of shopping. Let's go. You know, we've hunted enough. So we get in line. And, like, I'm putting the stuff, our stuff on the cart, and John's standing there looking behind me, and he goes, that's why we still have one. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, and, he, and I turned and looked after I finished, and it was, there was this little bitty old lady. And um, John said, you know, we're going to, bless you. So he went up and said, here, you know, this is a gift card for this amount uh, from us to bless you. And she, she raised her hands and she said, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all are such a blessing, blah, blah, blah. She said, I'm a 94-year-old great-grandma who is raising my 11-year-old twin grandsons. Just the thought of that made me tired. Just like, <sighs> and she said, I I needed this so bad. And she said, God always comes through. And then she did something we've never had anybody do before. She laid her hands on John and she laid her hand on me. And she started praying loud in H-E-B. <laughs> God's blessing and, you know, for God to use us and blah, blah, all this stuff. And she prayed over us like that. It was amazing. And that made the fun even more of a blessing to us. 
Can I finish my third point, Caleb? Okay. So the third level of giving is uh, extravagant offerings. 1 Kings 3, verses 4 to 5. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king, who was Solomon, went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. God has never talked to me like that. I would love for him to. (laughs) Okay. The tradition after a man had been appointed as king was for the new king to offer an offering to the Lord. He was to sacrifice one, one bull. But on that appointed day, King Solomon sacrificed a thousand bulls. After King Solomon offered his extravagant offering, God came to him and said, Ask anything and I'll give it to you. An extravagant offering moves God to bless the giver extravagantly. And then I have one more statement to make. I'm going to skip these scriptures. <clears throat> so if you're going to give, you need to be able to be out of debt to give. Because if you get your income and all of it's gone, you can't give. So the first thing, if you want to be a generous giver, is to get out of debt. The second thing is to spend wisely. You can't spend everything you have. You can't have the newest and the best of everything. You have to spend wisely. The second is to save judiciously. You have to have a saving. Otherwise, when you get ready to give, it's empty. There's nothing to give. And the last thing to do is to give generously. And that's a life of freedom and a life of impact. Thank you all so much. Come on, let's give her, let's give her one more hand clap. That was awesome. Man. Miss Denise, you could have gone on another 10 minutes. I would still been, I've been still been focused listening. That was so much. I'm telling you, there's not a better way to listen or to like have a weight to your words than to live it, right? To have an actual testimony of giving. That's why I know like I can trust Miss Denise about giving because she lives it, right? She doesn't just talk about it, she lives it. Amen. And who knows, who knows living a life of generosity is a life God called us to live, right? He didn't call us to live, you know, like a cheap steak, right? He called us, hey, let's trust God. And let's give to people what they need. Let's be the hands of Jesus, right? Let's, let's go out and touch this world together. Um, awesome. Let's give her one more hand clap, Miss Denise. That was awesome. That was awesome. So as we get ready to welcome up our next speaker, uh, he is a, uh, someone who's wise. You know, I love talking to this man. Um, you can just tell that he has so much on the inside of him to say. You can tell he has so much on the inside of him just to share. Um, he was a, a bishop for 40 years, I believe. Uh, he has is a history of ministry. Uh, he is a, a, a prayer powerhouse. Like I, like, I just know when he prays, God's moving, right? God listens to when this man's pray, and his family is awesome. Uh, does so much for the church. Uh, we honor him so much. Uh, so before I go any further, let's give a hand clap to Mr. Lloyd Rowe as he makes his way up here. Uh, Thank you very much, Brother Caleb. I really appreciate you tonight asking me to give this 10 minutes. And also, Pastor Bobby, for the privilege, because I guess he got to be confirmed by you. I know what it means. I know what it means. I was a pastor. (laughs) 
Right, and he's always been asking questions or whatever. You have to do this to know who you're going to put on your roster. Anyway, um, it is 10 minutes I have. So uh, 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 it's a long prior. The subject of prior is a long subject. And everywhere you go, as children of God, if you don't learn to pray, you're in trouble. So prayer is so important. Now, this is the subject I'm going to speak on, the importance of prayer. The Christian life is built on prayer. And every Christian has to learn how to pray. It's a way to get connected to God. And if we can't pray, it is very sad that we are not getting true to God. Amen. I, I have here, the, the, right, uh, the writer here is saying, prayer is a communication with God, not a formula. It is a direct communication, not a formula. Yet, sometimes, we make needs. We may need to use a method. And sometimes we also will use a fashion to free up the time that we're ready to pray. Like a Psalms, a scripture, such as the Lord's Prayer. We would use also the Akaf method of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and recently I have come upon this five-finger prayer used as a guide to pray for others. Now here is five. Will you fold your hands? Your thumb is looking back to you. And it is the closest one to you. Did you do that? Right. So, what he is saying here. The thumb is the nearest to you. So you begin to pray for those closest to you. Your loved ones. And this is found, you could find the scripture that I'm pointing you to in Philippians 1, verse 5. And it is saying here, I give thanks to God upon every remembrance of you, always in my prayer, and making requests for you with joy. So it is important for us then to pray for our loved ones. Pray for those who we know need God. So it is important. If the second finger is the painter. And it is saying here, pray for those who teach the Bible. The teacher, the preacher, and those who Teach children. These are prayers that we need to pray for every day. 
Because if we don't do this, we are not expecting to be a blessing or our friends that are speaking to us to be a blessing. Right, and I will use a scripture here in um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 25, which said, Brethren, pray for us. Simple as that. Brethren, pray for us. There is one song right now we, we learned to sing many times in our church. Uh, 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 when we you know, gather, it says, I want my friend to pray for me. To bear my tempted soul above. And intercede with God for me. I need the prayers of those I love. So brethren, pray for us. The pastor need that. Everybody need that. Amen. Especially when he stand up here on Sunday. To proclaim the word of God. Don't feel like say his prayer alone will help him. He need you and I to pray that he will be inspired by God. And I want to tell you, sir, each Sunday when I come in here, I've been inspired by God through your word. And I know that God is using him. Is that right? Amen. We know that God is using him. And also his wonderful family that are here, they are an inspiration to this work. And I praise God for them. Amen. And, and of course, we continue to pray for them. They need prayer. Pray for the teachers over there right now. Amen. Pray for the musician. Amen. They need to pr be prayed for. Right? Pray for, for, for the, 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 the... Help me here. The singers. This is where I can get it out. Right? Let, let, let's pray the worship team. I tell you, when I sit and listen to them, they really inspired my soul. Amen. Amen. And this is why I'm still here. Because if I go to somewhere and I cannot get inspiration from what they are doing, you're not going to see me because my life is to be inspired. Amen. When it comes to prayer, I'm telling you, my wife, she is one of them who always be up on her knees. You're going to say, why? Time is gone. It, it is nice, brethren. It is nice to pray. Amen. So we are with the pointers. Now the next one is the tall man, the one in the middle. The tall guy that looks so stalwart and, you know, it reminds you and it reminds you to pray for those in authority over you, nationally, local, and lead our local leaders, and even your supervisor. Amen. You cannot hate him if he's even do you wrong. Right? Even if he cannot give you a raise like you want to, you still have to love him and pray for him. In other words, don't waste prayer. Because prayer is highly important. Now, the thing is this. God told us to pray for our enemy. So if you're going to pray for God to do something else with him, to take him out of your side, you're wasting time. Am I right? You have already prayed for him. 
God told us to pray for him. Well, he despitefully, those that despitefully use us, talk about us, and do things which hurt us so bad. Right? He said to pray for them. Amen. And also pray for all men that we may be able to live a quiet and a peaceable life. Amen. So, therefore, it is what it is saying here. It's, it's, it's up there. Right? So, I, if I not even get to read them, you can be able to see them there. Therefore, I exalt that prior unsupplication with intercession and giving of thanks and be made for all men, kings, those who are in authority, and any leaders of all who you may think about, that we may live a godly and a, and a reverent life. Amen. It is good. And we'll go down now to four, which is the fourth finger. It is said this is the weakest. Pray for those who are in trouble or who are suffering. And James tells us that. In James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Anyone among you? Anyone among you cheerful? Let him pray. Anyone among you is sick? Let him ask, call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him. And if anyone, if he has committed sin, it will be forgiven him. So any type of condition that we have, prayer works. Prayer works. Believe in me, prayer works. The last one is the little finger. And this is found in Philippians chapter Six, and I will take verse six and nine. Be, a, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, in everything giving thanks, make your requests made known to God. And verse 19 says, And then my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Christ Jesus. So it is important for us, children of God. This is the only way we can get to him, is to go to him in prayer. Amen. This is the close, this is the only way that he makes for us to connect with him. The only way. And we are thankful for him. This is the way he make, it set us to make our petition, is to go down to him in prayer. And the writer put it like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Are you weak and heavy laden? Amen. Is there troubles anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Let us all tonight remember to pray. God bless you.
Oh, come on, come on. Let's give him a hand clap. That was awesome. I'll check one, two, three. That was awesome, awesome, Mr. Rowe. That was awesome. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me good? Uh, that was an awesome word. I don't know about you, but I'm getting fed tonight. Man, I said, I'm getting fed tonight. This is some good stuff. And hey, there's still more on the way. Still more on the way. But hey, that was a great, great word, Mr. Lloyd. Man, that was a great, great word. And uh, man, five fingers. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. So, that's good, man. That's, that's really good stuff. Really good stuff. Uh, so as we welcome up, before we welcome up our next speaker, who's going to close us out tonight and speak on our final value. Uh, she and her husband are elders at this church. Uh, they, they're really good at telling you what to do when you, when you need it. Um, she has a counseling license, uh, so much wisdom, uh, so much built up on the inside of her. She, she knows how to speak wisdom into the lives of others, right? She hears God's voice and knows how to betray God's voice. And so I'm ready to hear her speak on discipleship, uh, which is going to be awesome. So why don't you put your hands together for Miss Elena Torres. She's going to do awesome. So good to be here this evening. And just as my brother Lloyd said, I, I do appreciate the, the honor of being able to speak from this pulpit. Um, this is not something that I take lightly. I know that our, our pastor has such an amazing calling and anointing, and I'm so thankful for the ministry that he has, and I know he always has so much that he wants to share, but I appreciate the opportunity to let others speak. So, so let's talk a little bit about discipleship. As I was going through and, and studying and, and reading, I thought, how can we look at what discipleship is. One way is to break the word down. So um, what's a disciple? So I went to several different dictionaries, and some of the definitions say a disciple is a student of a teacher or leader. Another place said a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Other is a pupil, a learner. So obviously a disciple is one who is constantly learning, okay? The thing we have to recognize is that for us, life is our classroom, okay? I, I am so excited to see the growth in our young people. The ones that came back from, from California, it was such a, a joy to hear the changes, the transformations, how God used them to minister to others. Amazing. I loved hearing the testimony from the ones that shared. And I was following you all on, on Facebook, and thank you, Alicia, for posting um, and praying for y'all. But we have to realize that God desires to teach us every single day through everything that we go through. Sometimes the lessons are related to our circumstances, the trials, the difficulties that we go through. Sometimes he teaches us through people. I know there was a time in my life when I didn't have a whole lot of fellowship around me. He would speak to me through nature. There were times that I was having a really difficult day, and I, I love flowers and rainbows, and I would go outside, and there would be a rainbow. And it's like God was saying, Elena, I love you. I know you're, I know you're here. I know what you're going through. I'm here. There were just like little things that he would do, a beautiful sunset, and it's like, okay, God, I know you're here. I know you're here. 
So we need to understand that being born again, of course, is the most important step in our Christian life. That is the most important decision we have ever made. If anyone hasn't made it, it's the most important decision you will ever make. But I want you to think about it this way, okay? So let's say this over here is the world. So I'm in the world, and I take one step. That's being born again, okay? I'm still pretty close to the world. You know, it's, you know, there's still a whole lot of stuff in my mind. Now, God has transformed my spirit. He's given me a new heart, a new spirit. The Christian walk is all of this space, okay? So if I stay here and don't grow and read and pray and fellowship and come to church, what's going to happen? What happened to Lot's wife? I'm going to look back. Why? The world is a whole lot closer. And, oh, well, that really was fun. And, you know, I really did enjoy. Of course, we forget about all the horrible times, the times of misery and, and depression. And we think about, oh, it was so much fun to hang out with that crowd or in those bars or whatever it is. So as believers, we can't stay there. There are many times in the Word that Paul talks about, you know, I should be feeding you meat, and I'm still giving you milk. You need to grow up. I'm not here to give a word of exhortation. That's certainly not what God put on my heart. I love watching the growth in believers. I don't think Jency is here tonight, but I remember because uh, Rick and I were just realizing we've been coming here over nine years now. Layla was a little tiny baby. And... I have watched, so Jency was one that I remember, she was very, very young in the Lord when she came here, and now she's this amazing woman of God that trusts God, she's going to college and is a, works and, and is a mom, and I, I mean amazing, I mean she, she is an inspiration to me. So many that have gone through horrendous things in this church that are standing firm, why? Because they have continued walking with him and trusting so, discipleship, my first point, I'm just now getting to the, <clears throat> discipleship is a journey, and it's one of continuous learning and growth in faith and obedience. So, I, I appreciate so much what Denise shared, and I was reminded as you were speaking about giving of one of the first steps of obedience that I took as a believer I was in college. I was a dirt poor college student. And I also, I mean, from the time I was born again, when I started working, God taught me about tithing. And so I tithed my entire life. But I remember in college, I didn't have a whole lot of clothes. I usually went to Goodwill. I didn't have money for clothes. And I think I'd saved enough money. I was able to buy one new pair of jeans, okay? The others that I had were like baggy or they didn't fit right. You know, they were older from Goodwill, whatever. And so I had this one and it was when the straight legs came out. Okay, I'm dating myself. This was, you know, back in the 70s, whatever, because it had always been bell bottoms. And then it was these straight legs. Oh, I've got to get a pair of these jeans. And so my first probably like really, you know, in style pair of jeans. And so, oh, I'm loving these jeans, wearing them all the time. So I hadn't had them, but maybe a few weeks and God told me, you need to give your jeans away. And I'm like, what? 
no, not my jeans, you know. And that's how we find out how important things are when God says, let it go. So, yes, I kind of wrestled with God that night, and it's like, but I love these jeans. Oh, really? More than you love me? No, Lord, no, Lord. And, of course, the person that he wanted me to give them to, I didn't particularly like her, okay? That made it worse. It wasn't someone that was, like, my bestie or what I, you know, anyway. So the next day, and she hadn't really even said she needed jeans or whatever, but the next day I, in obedience, gave her those jeans. Yes, it was, it was not with a whole lot of joy. I was pretty hesitant, okay? I was maybe 19, 18, 19, okay? So I give her these jeans, and she was so excited. Oh, I love these. Thank you so much. So what I want to tell you, since that day, I have never been without at least 10 pairs of jeans, okay? I know my husband can tell you in my closet right now, probably three-fourths of the jeans I have have been given to me. Just as Denise said, I mean, I sewed one pair of jeans that was the only, you know, and it was sacrificial giving. I have never been without jeans. I remember one time someone had lost weight, and she gave me like 15 pairs of jeans, and I, thank you, Lord. So it is true. So I was saying that not so much about the giving, but obedience. So there are times that he will say to us, Go speak to that person. I appreciate so much the way John and Denise live, that it is hunting. I mean, it's like, Lord, use us. Speak to us. Tell us where to go, who to talk to. That's awesome. That is a walk of faith. So I want to address three elements of discipleship. Of course, I don't have time now, but I'll get through as much as I can. (laughs) So the first element of discipleship is self-denial and cross-bearing. Let's go to Matthew 16, 24. The first one I'm going to read is from the New King James. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Luke 14, 27, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So what is your cross? What are you bearing? What crosses have you carried? There are times that we try to carry that cross alone. God doesn't want us to walk this walk alone. That's what the body of Christ is for. Jesus had help carrying his cross. The Son of God, Savior of the universe. You'd think he would have been, you know, Mr. Superman, whatever. Oh, I can do that. No, there was no pride in Jesus. We know he never sinned. God even gave him someone to help. We need one another. We know that Jesus is our strength, our companion, our victor, the one who carries us, the one who gives us the strength we need in every situation. But you know, a lot of times, the way God gives it to us is through a brother or sister. I can say all day long, oh, I only need God. I only need, you know, I only need his strength. And he may be trying to give that to me through someone that is brought into my life over and over. Oh, no, no, no. I trust God. I've heard pastors say many times when they were needing help with groceries or money or whatever, that somebody would bring a bag of groceries to the, to the door. 
does that mean that it wasn't God? Of course not. God used them. God used Denise and John to bless someone. This is how God ministers. We are those vessels. So let others minister to you when you're having a difficult time. Some of us have believed that as Christians, we're supposed to live a life that is problem-free. I know the world will sometimes lie to us and say, our goal in life should be happiness. I can't tell you how many times, even as a counselor, I hear people saying, I just want to be happy. Do you know that nowhere in the Word does it say that that's God's goal for us, to be happy? Happy comes from happenings. It comes from situations, circumstances. Joy comes from the Lord. And joy is what we can have in every situation. Happiness is temporal. Okay, so we can go to a water park. Oh, wasn't that fun? And then what? Did it, did it fill me? Did it fill the depth of my heart? No. It was very temporary, very quick. Joy has a depth because it transcends whatever the circumstances are, good, bad, indifferent. So we actually grow the most through pain. I don't know about you, but the times in my life that I can look at that I grew the most because I was on my knees a whole lot more, I was trusting God, I was praying, I was believing, were the most difficult times. Think about the children of Israel. When did they turn away from God? When things were going well, when they were prosperous, when everything was going well, they would cry out to God in bad times. And when things were going well, pff, forget you. Let's go worship an idol. Let's go build this calf. But in the difficult times, oh, they cried out to God. And we're the same. I'm the same. It is so, so much like God. He knows what we need to stay dependent on him. And so, yes, I think he gives us times of respite where there's not 500 things going on that we have to battle all at the same time. I was so blessed by your message Sunday about the armor of God. It just helped to see it so much more clearly. So, yes, there are times that we have our shield up and there are darts coming from every direction. But other times he'll say, okay, you can rest here by still waters, okay? I'll take care of my little lamb. Just realize you can't live there because what happens, I'm okay. I don't need to grow anymore. I'm fine. And you know, we're actually in a river, okay? What happens if you have a flowing stream and you're not swimming? You're going to get swept downstream. So if we're not growing, we're going backwards. I appreciate so much the, the leadership in this church that is always encouraging us to get involved, to learn, seek the word ourselves, seek the Lord. So can I continue or do I need to? Okay. I know I'm out of, way out of time. So the second element of discipleship is faithfulness. Other words for that are loyalty, steadfastness. So in John 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are disciples indeed. In the New Living Translation, it says, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful 
to my teachings. So how do we remain faithful to his teachings? First of all, we have to know what they are. I know Pastor was talking about, you know, using the, the word of God, the sword. We have to know what that is. What does it say? I remember the very first time I read through the entire Bible. I was in college also, and we had a pastor at the time that was um, very strong, I guess very, just spoke very clearly, the word, the word, the word, the word. Um, that was just his focus for us at that time. And if you haven't read through the whole word, you know, start in Matthew, go through the New Testament, go through from Genesis all the way through Malachi. And I was so thankful for that early, early walk. I still, you know, I was a baby and um, learning whatever I could. I didn't understand most of it when I went through the Bible. I did you know, I asked God to help me, but there was a lot I didn't understand. But what I found out after that initial read of the entire Bible is that as I would read other things and as I would study, it's like, oh, I remember hearing about that. That was back here somewhere, okay? I couldn't quote chapter and verse. I couldn't say, yeah, I think that was in First Kings. But I knew I had seen it. I knew I had heard it. There was recognition that's how a child grows. That's how a child learns to, to speak. They hear words. They hear words. Ah, that sounds familiar. So how can we hear the voice of our father if we don't know how our father speaks? So get the word in your heart. Get it in there. However, read it, listen to it. I know there's, you know, every phone now can have a, you know, has a Bible app. Listen to it when you go places. I know sometimes I'll turn it on when when I'm getting ready in the morning, Layla and I listen to my Bible every night um, before we go to bed and we pray together. And it is such a blessing to have so many resources now to read, to, to hear, to be saturated with the Word of God. That is the truth. That's how we know what the lie is and what it's not. So if I know what the Word is, if I have even a little bit of understanding of how God speaks, then when I hear the lie, I will say, wait a second, that doesn't match. So God never tells us to go and study the lie, okay? At least I've never been. Maybe others, you know, are, are called to do that, like to study lots of other religions. I've never been called to do that. I would rather know the truth. And then when I hear the lies, I can recognize it. I just want to share real quickly, um, when I was in high school, I had been born again at age 14. And a friend invited me to go to this. I was in Bogota, Colombia in South America. And a friend had invited me to go to this, some kind of group. Okay, this was the very beginning of the charismatic movement. So I went to this house. Now, my parents were uh, part of a denomination that was very, how can I say, very dry, okay? Nobody said amen. Nobody, I mean, there was no such thing as raising your hands. Um, I don't remember even hearing the name of Jesus much. And it was, a lot of it was about you do good and, and you know, do the right thing and be nice. And, you know, anyway, I don't remember hearing about the blood of Jesus or any of that. Never heard the term born again. And that, I mean, I appreciate that was their faith. And at least they got us in church every Sunday. Okay. So I had a foundation, even if I didn't, I never had a relationship with Jesus. So, um, so this friend invited me to go to this house, and 
um, he said, oh, yeah, they're called children of God. Okay, so I'm a baby. I just just received Christ, don't know anything about the Lord, don't know anything about the Word. And so I started going to these meetings with him. Now, I don't know, some of you that are older might remember, there was a cult called the Children of God back in the 60s and 70s. And they had, you know, with most cults, what happens is that their doctrine is very close. But it was... Um, when you, when you compare it to the Word of God, it's way off. Now, I, I'm so thankful to God that friend left, and I didn't have any way to go there. So six months after I had been going there regularly, actually God did, uh, I, I, all I can say is it was a miracle because I went to a women's Bible study, and in the middle of someone actually teaching the truth of the Word, God deprogrammed me from a lot of the lies that I'd heard. And I mean, in an instant, he said... Don't ever go back there. They're teaching lies. I'm going to teach you the truth. And so he, I mean, took away whatever brainwashing was there, and I, I'm so thankful. The reason I wanted to share that is that without knowing the truth, I could easily be deceived. It looked good. The, the thing that attracted me, these people gave me hugs when I came in. They acted like they were happy to see me, okay? As a teenager, I had never been received that way. Our church didn't hug, okay? Our church didn't talk to each other. There was no personal relationship. And so being in a place where these people called themselves Christians, I loved it. So realize that when people come here, they may be a little shy or standoffish, but they may not have had a hug for days or weeks or whatever. Let them know they're welcome. And I know we do that. We have an amazing team of, of greeters. And I, I do appreciate that because I know for me that meant so much. And I, I thank God that he delivered me from that place. That is all glory goes to him. Okay, so the last element of discipleship is fruitfulness. In John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So what is the fruit of our lives? If we are disciples, there will be fruit. Realize that fruit comes as we walk in the Spirit. Turn to Galatians 5.22. Most of us have heard what the fruit of the Spirit is. I'm actually going to pause between each of the words because it's important for us to think about, is this fruit evident in my life? And realize it says it is singular. In every translation, it is singular. It's not fruits because it is a fruit that has nine parts, okay? We have been given the Spirit, so we know that we are to be fruit bearers, okay? As we have the Spirit of God, how does fruit come when you plant a seed, when you plant something, fruit doesn't come immediately. You have to tend it. It has to grow. The roots have to go deep. You have to water and fertilize. And in time, fruit will come. And that's how it is as believers, okay? So it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. We talked about joy earlier. Peace. Do you have peace in the midst of the storm? Patience. How do we treat people that are difficult to be around? Kindness. Can we extend kindness when people are mean to us? 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God is such a personal God that he will minister to us and put circumstances in our life that will grow the fruit that we are lacking. I've been around some people that just, it's like, Pastor Dawn is one of those, it's like joy just pours out of her. And I love just being close to her because it's like just, you know, rivers of living water just overflowing, joy and love just pour out of her. There are some people that are so, my husband is one, he's so patient. He's amazing. He's an amazing teacher. He teaches martial arts. He also, I mean, he he teaches in everything that he does, but he is so patient. There are times it's like, you know, I just get frustrated with people. And he is just, you know, he teaches little kids sometimes, and he is so patient. That is the fruit of the Spirit that just flows through him. He's patient with me when I'm ditzy or some other things. Um, So think about, how are we treating our partner? Are we treating them with the fruit of the Spirit? Are Are we giving them the love of God, acceptance, understanding? How do we treat the ones that we really don't like, that rub us the wrong way? I know Mr. Lloyd was talking about our supervisors, our bosses, the ones that are, that are mean or don't have a whole lot of understanding or tolerance. Do we pray for them? How do we treat them? So to finish, I say, God, have mercy on us and give us his grace to grow more and more into the image of Christ. There is no greater joy than to be a disciple of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.